No. First of all, hello and welcome to our podcast. Oh, hi. So, we're here talking about wasabi peas, which if you haven't had them, go get them. You should have them. They're really good. Crunchy, randomly spicy. Mm-hmm. Never know what you're going to get. Nope. That was actually the original draft of the script in Forrest Gump. Mom always said life is like a bag of wasabi peas. <laughs> and that's, but they, they were like, well, we can't do that. So they rewrote it as me and Jenny was like peas and carrots. Oh, that's a better one. Thank you. Yeah. But Kate has self-diagnosed misophonia, which okay. is the triggering of a fight or flight response based on certain sounds. You have told me this before. Most typically manifested in the sound of someone chewing. Oh, right. And so crunchy snacks are always kind of a gamble. Like I, I've just kind of formed the habit where if we're watching a TV show or something, it's like, ah, you know, I kind of just want a little quick snack. I'll like, eat chips in the kitchen. Nice. And come back. She's gotten much better. And, but yeah, that's the, I can't, I couldn't eat wasabi peas at home. Way too crunchy. Way too crunchy. So bring them to my house. You can eat wasabi peas Absolutely. here anytime you want. And I do think it's funny that her self-diagnosed uh, condition, misophonia, well, if you slow that down, misophony. Right. Uh, hey, Steven. Yeah. I'm going to come at you with some This Day in Music history facts. I love this. Yeah. I feel like a lot of times, I feel like you're typically the fact bringer. Typically, yeah. which I like. So I've got I've got a few things for you here. So today is December 7th. Happy birthday, LJ, first of all. <gasps> what? Yeah. Come on. It is. Happy birthday, LJ. So unfortunately. <laughs> what a terrible I don't have anything birthday. on December 7th. A few things happen throughout history. Sure. On December 8th, 1980. Okay. This is a callback both to the year 1980, sure. but also our first episode. Oh. Do you know who shot John Lennon? Uh, I don't. It was not Sirhan Sirhan. It was not. That was some other guy. It was another dude. Mark David Chapman. Oh. Shot John Lennon on December 8th. On December 8th, 1980. 1980. Yep. Wow. Very unfortunate. It is unfortunate. Yeah. No, like there's no joke there. That's no, it is, and I thought that this was interesting. December eighth, two thousand four. Okay. Dimebag Daryl, metal guitarist. Okay. Was shot on stage and died. Wow. So what gives? Shot on stage. Yeah. That's horrifying. It is horrifying. All right. I like my facts better so far. Yeah, maybe there's a reason why you bring yours. Yeah, like, wow. Let's move on from all these shootings. Oh, okay. And go to something more fun like a kidnapping. Yeah. December 8th, <laughs> 1963. Jeez. Frank Sinatra Jr. Okay. was kidnapped. <laughs> Just, you know, old Blue Eyes there had to pay $240,000 of a ransom three days later. They got... Frank Sinatra Jr. back. So he pays $240,000. Three days later, after he was kidnapped. The demands were, we want $240,000. Three days later. Right. Is when they paid the money and made the exchange to get him back. Right. The important time here is, like, how quickly did they make the demand? Oh, pretty much like right away. It was like a ransom note type thing. They kidnapped him. So three days later was the exchange. Right. 
I would imagine as a father, the decision was immediate that, yes, I was going to pay that money. Because three days seems like a long time to decide whether or not I'm going to pay $240,000 for my son. I, the, some of the stories that I've heard about Sinatra, yeah, it, uh, I'm not paying $240,000. <laughs> they can have them. Figure it out. <laughs> okay. Dude, right. I, I got to be honest. Doobie, doobie, doo. Um, they did end up catching the kidnappers later. They Thank were goodness. arrested. Oh, that's good. Yeah. They should be. And then a interesting and more timely thing that happened on December 8th, 2013. Just a few years ago. Yeah. Metallica played in Antarctica. How? What? Yeah. In Antarctica? Yeah. It's they cold played, there. It is cold. Who did they play for? The polar bears? That's North Pole. Who did they play for? The penguins? That's Pittsburgh. Who did they play so for? They played for a bunch of scientists, <laughs> a bunch of nerds. Ah. Um, no, so they did a concert in Antarctica. The That's so cool. The concert was titled Freeze Em All. Yeah, it was. That's awesome. Do you sorry, I'll let you finish. No, go fact. ahead. Do you know if is that how many concerts were done in Antarctica? I've done as much research as I've told you. Nice. Yeah. That'd be cool. This is why you bring the facts. Well. December 9th, 1967. All right. Jim Morrison is arrested. Uh, during a performance yeah. after a young woman was discovered in his dressing room. Oh, no, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> he Jim. just like looks at the camera and goes like, <laughs> Jim Morrison from the office. The arresting officer had to mace Morrison, and it was the first recorded occurrence of a performer being arrested mid-performance. Wait, he got arrested mid-performance? Yes. Wow. Yeah, so like mid-concert. The cops just go on stage. Yeah. Mace him. I don't think they maced him on stage. I think they he probably found, resisted a little bit. I think I think that they found the young woman in the in, in the, the dressing room. room in the dressing room behind and then the they were door like, behind the door. No one knows what it's like. Behind, moving on. No, because he's because from the doors. This is a fun one, and then I have an insane one. Oh, so December ninth, nineteen sixty-five. What I would argue is probably one of the top Christmas television events every year. Okay, I think people call those television shows. <laughs> aired for the first time. Can you mm. get 1965? Okay. This timeless, iconic, classic Christmas program aired for the first time. Still airs today. Like it ever since that year, it's been on every year. But it's a Christmas program. Yes. What's your guess? Oh, man. I don't know if you know this about me, but I don't really watch things. Charlie Brown Christmas. Oh! Aired for the first time. The In 1960... December 9th, 1965. The score was done by jazz pianist Vince Guaraldi. Okay. Which, if you're looking for a great album or like Christmas music to put on just during the holiday season, yeah. the score from Charlie Brown Christmas is just a fantastic piano-driven... Yep. It's, it's awesome. It is Vince, great music. Yeah, Vince Guaraldi's great. And it kind of set the standard for the 
peanuts like Vince Guaraldi's music became synonymous with peanuts oh, for Charlie yeah, yeah, Brown yeah. for the subsequent animated features like the Halloween and the Thanksgiving. Oh, it was okay. all that kind of like jazz piano driven score. Oh, that's really cool. And it started with Charlie Brown Christmas. I love that. Yeah. You have you have good facts. Thank you. You've redeemed yourself. Do you know who Jerry Lee Lewis is? Do I know who Jerry Lee Lewis is? Do you? Yes, I do. Okay. Goodness gracious, great balls of fire. <laughs> On this, in case somebody didn't know. Yeah. And there's a good chance that after that, people still don't know. So, on December 11th, 1957. Okay. Jerry Lee Lewis. Sure. Married Myra Gale Brown. Okay. Myra was Jerry's cousin's daughter. Also, Jerry's bass player. So, the bass player in Jerry Lee Lewis's band was his cousin. Okay. His daughter is Myra Gale Brown. Yeah. He married Myra Gale Brown. So, he married his cousin's daughter. Good. Yeah. This is a good start. No, it's a great... It gets better. At the time, Myra Gale Brown was 13 years old. Good. How old was Jerry Lee Lewis? He was... Oh, I wrote this down. 22. What's even more interesting about this? Jerry Lee Lewis was 22. Myra Gale Brown was his third wife. At 22? At 22. Oh, man. So, in... <laughs> like, similar... Not I. We're not going to spend as much time as we did on the Monster Mash on Jerry Lee Lewis. But Thank similar you. to that, I started kind of going down the list here. It's fascinating. So, again, he's born in 35. So, in 1952 which would make him, what, 19? He married Dorothy Barton, married in 1952. They divorced in 1953. In 1953, he married Jane Mitchum, divorced her in 1957. Isn't Mitchum like a deodorant? It is. Yeah. Yeah. In 1957, he married the aforementioned Myra Gale Brown. Married her, she was 13, in 1957. They divorced in 1970. Wow. They were married for like 13, 14 years. Good for them. Yeah. I'm glad those crazy kids made it. They didn't. They divorced in 1970. In 1971, he married Jaron Elizabeth Gunn Pate. That's a mouthful. Mm. Um, so in 1971, he would have been 36. She died in 1982. Tragically. I don't know if it was tragic. In 1983, he married Sean Stevens. She died in 1983. <laughs> what? In 1984, he married Carrie McCarver. Oh, Carrie McCarver. Uh, they divorced in 2005. Oh, so another good run. Yeah, not bad. In 2012, so at this point, he's 70, he's 87. Yeah. In 2012, he married Judith Brown. Okay. And I thought, oh, that's weird. It says he married her in in 2012, but that's all it says. Because he died October 28th, 2022. He died last month. Or two months ago. Really? Yeah. Jerry Lee Lewis. Oh, man. Great balls of fire, indeed. He had like 12 wives. Well, that's why he was probably considered rock and roll's first wild child. 
Where'd you find that? Did you look him up? I didn't look anything up. Yeah, you did. Don't you worry about what I did I versus what you didn't up. do. But which one was his one true love? Ooh. I feel like Myra Gale Brown had to be a true love. His cousin? Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. So, listen. That's some fun. That is a lot of fun. A lot of fun facts. We've rifled through those because you did rifle excited. through them, but like, but, but I, you, you bring some good facts. Hey, thanks. Some sad ones. Yeah, because most of them involve death. A couple of deaths, a kidnapping, an underage marriage. But your mom's and birthday. Arrest. Hey, happy birthday, mom! <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, that was, I'm like a. That was I'm in like a glass case of emotion over here. Oh my goodness. That's good. All right, so this is part two. I've got a handful of questions here, like I said, in my in my uh, boomer notebook. Of so course. let's get to know Steven. So I think one of the things that um, that we've talked about, mm-hmm. but I think is interesting, is you are much more of a musician and performer, I think, than I probably am. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've never heard you play a musical instrument. So there you go. So, so I can't confirm nor deny that. Right. But I. But you play, um, in bars and stuff like that. Yes, I do. And if someone wanted to hire you, that'd be a conversation. Hey, we're doing an event and we want some nice like acoustic music going on and everything. I'm your guy. Yeah, you're the guy. Give me a call. So, we're gonna jump around a little bit more in this interview than I think we did with yours, which was put together i think very well ah. when you asked me questions thanks as you can tell already this is going to go a little differently what are some things people might not know mm-hmm. about being a bar musician slash like cover artist Ooh. that's a great question coming out of the gate hot thank you some things that people might not know about being a bar musician slash artist which is that a fair thing to like bar musician that yeah okay yeah i mean yeah. that's yeah local musician local musician yeah cover artist would yeah. be yeah any of those i don't take offense to anything okay um but yeah i think wow i think the interesting thing is i think that a lot of times people will will think that we are not as talented as somebody that has original music and that can write a you know write the music and the song and the lyrics to go along and perform with um and i think a lot of times people may think that it is you know easy to learn cover songs because the songs are already written the Mm -hmm. songs are you know the chords are already there the lyrics are already there um but what i think people may underestimate is the fact that there's a lot of thought and effort that goes into building a set list for mm. a room that you're in and trying to make it appealing to the audience that you see in front of you in real time. So if I'm a original musician, you're coming to see me because of my music. You mm-hmm. like my music, mm-hmm. right? But if I'm a cover artist in a bar that you're not paying money to come see. Yeah, I have a hundred songs I could play. But if I'm in a bar with a bunch of 25-year-olds, they don't want to hear me play Tom Petty and right. you know all that stuff. They want to hear newer stuff. So mm-hmm. 
I think there's a subtle art form to reading the room that you're playing to and adjusting what songs you play based on your audience. And we don't have any time to really, like we can't prepare for that because mm. you don't know what you're walking into. You don't know who's going to walk in and walk out. Yeah. Um, and then I think the other part of it is that there's there's a lot of effort that goes into, as a cover artist, if I'm trying to, I need to try and make songs recognizable, right? So I could come in and play Freebird. Mm-hmm. But if I don't take the time to make sure that you know it's Freebird, then there, then I lose the connection to the audience, right? So there's a lot of practice that goes into it. There's a lot of thoughtfulness that goes into how I interpret Freebird or whatever um, to bring to you, you know, in a bar. Yeah, it's, and I think also, I imagine that there's a different level of expectation where. If you're going to play a song and I know that song, I have certain expectations of what that should sound like. Of course. Versus I'm going to see a musician that is a like an original artist. Yeah. And like you said, like I'm going to see them. Right. But if you don't play Living on a Prayer right. the way that I want to hear it, then you're judged on that. Absolutely. Yeah, that's interesting. The 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 opposite can be true as well, and I've seen it a few times where, you know, I might uh, one of the the guys I play with, Brian, um, we did a, a cover of Poker Face by Lady Gaga, mm-hmm. and we did it very differently hmm. than you might think mm-hmm. it should sound. And but it's a recognizable song. It has recognizable lyrics. And we we had a couple of people come up to us and say like, well, I really like what you did with that song. Mm-hmm. Like Lady Gaga, I would never imagine that I would hear a Lady Gaga cover out of an acoustic duo, which is something that you know we take pride in, kind of putting in an effort to make songs a little bit different and kind of that shock and awe of wow, I would never expect mm-hmm. an acoustic duo to play that song. It's almost like you either need to play a cover very true to form yep. or do it differently enough where someone's like, okay, obviously they're doing something different. Correct. Here, but if you just play a cover poorly, yeah, it's not going to go well. <laughs> You're like, eh, yeah. I don't know if I want to hear this. So speaking of Lady Gaga and Poker Face, sure. what is off the top of your head, what is one of the songs that you've maybe um, reframed or kind of made your own as an acoustic duo that you're the most proud that like there's a big gap between the original and how we do it. So like poker face is an example of that, right? So is there one that comes to mind where you're like, wow, we really did something kind of cool with this song that you normally wouldn't expect to hear on a couple acoustic guitars. Yeah. That's a great question. Um, take on me by aha. Oh, is one that, um, that it, I would say I'm proud of kind of the rendition that, you know, I brought this, not toot my own horn here, but um, I oh, brought... No, you play guitar. Well, I do. That's right. Yeah. It'd be weird if I tooted a horn. Um, so I brought this to Brian, the gentleman that I predominantly play in the duo with, as, you know, a, hey, I think, you know, this is something that I, I heard a version of Take On Me that AHA did for like an MTV Unplugged. Mm-hmm. And that was the version that inspired me to kind of like play around with how could I, how would I do 
take on me by AHA. And I brought it to Brian. And then the two of us spent a significant amount of time working on like how that would work for harmonies and, and things like that, and how we could really make it our own in that. So that's one of the most recent ones that we've done that I was pretty proud of. Um, that's recognizable and it's a head turner. And that's one of the things I look for is when I'm playing a song like that, because it could either, it's either like not the proverbial standing ovation Mm. or it's like crickets, Mm -hmm. you know, you're either falling flat on your face. Right. And so I'm off, I'm very conscious of the, uh, the public's reaction to those kind of things. And that was one that I remember, like every time we play it, it's a head turner. Nice. Everybody's like, wow, are they really doing this song right now? And that, that, feels good those moments when you can tell that you're not just background noise in the Correct. bar yep yeah that's awesome yeah do you have a a favorite or just some like favorite memories from performing like something that you think back like i remember this specific performance i do i have a couple of them um so there was one where we were at uh twin river casino Oh, okay. And we played not on the main lighthouse stage there, but we played at the shipyard Mm -hmm. bar. And the reason that I felt like it was kind of memorable for me is it was Brian was sick. He wasn't feeling well. Mm -hmm. And his voice, like he was not really able to sing very much. And so there was a long time when I first started playing that I did not sing. Like I sung. Really? I sung very little hmm. and it was a little bit of stage fright for, from, for singing, but also I hadn't like your voice is an instrument mm-hmm. and you need to learn how to play it, mm-hmm. you know? And I had not learned how to control my voice and Brian had been playing, you know, he's older than me and he'd been playing for a while. So this particular show was kind of the first time that I was forced into singing the majority of a four-hour set wow and it was Which is a long set it's so there's breaks yeah but so we're there for we're there from nine to one and you know we take two 30 minute breaks yeah and i was forced to sing the majority of it with not never really having had time to rehearse that or know that it was kind of like a show up kind of deal and it was oh man, okay, I guess I'm on, you know, and that sticks out because it was, it was kind of a turning point in propelling me to be more comfortable singing and learn more songs and take on more songs. Um, and then the, the first time we played with a full band on new year's Eve, um, was, was very, very memorable because it was like, I'd played acoustic a lot. I'd never played with a full band and never even really practiced with a full band. Mm-hmm. And then, but then when you add in the bass and the drums, and we had a guy who played saxophone and like a third guitar, hmm. there, I mean, just I'm used to nothing going on behind me. And right. now you got the bass and the drums, and it just brings that whole like, wow, this is what it's like playing in a band. That's awesome. Yeah. Have you, because I know that you've been doing the acoustic duo for a while, have you had aspirations of like, creating a band like forming a band or trying to seek that out i have yeah it's you know i come and go with it mm-hmm. um i think one of the things that i have always gone back to is brian had played for a lot longer than i have he's been in a lot of different bands 
I've played with bands that he has formed mm-hmm. and I've filled in here and there. And like, we kind of had a four piece band that we played with for a while. Um, so I've always kind of had that to fall back on. So I've never thought about playing in a band outside of Brian. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but I, I've always thought of, you know, kind of wanting to form like a Dave Matthews tribute band. Oh, okay. And try and build, you know, a band around that. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, like there's, there's not necessarily a huge appetite for that around, like locally around here. Um, you know, so that's probably prevented me from, from doing something like that, but okay, that in time. Yeah. Especially it's, for something as aggressive as a Dave Matthews tribute band. Yeah. Like that's, you need a lot of musicians. You need a lot of musicians. You need a lot of time. And even that, that's just, I, I would play in another band other than a Dave Matthews yeah, yeah, band, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. But I mean, there's just a lot of time and effort that goes into like meeting new musicians and learning. You know, I've, I've jammed with other people like randomly, like I've gotten together with, you know, different drummers and different bass, you know, to form like different versions of a band and we've practiced and we've played and it's just nothing's ever really come to fruition, you hmm. know, on that. Um, but plus I imagine it'd be tough finding like four or five other people that like Dave Matthews. Yeah. So it would be another, <laughs> another question. I had to get one dig in. What kind of got you into music? Like, so kind of going back, right. Yeah. And what was your introduction to it? Like what kind of inspired you to not just from a consuming music standpoint, of listening to music which is a little bit more what we talked about i think you have different experiences why i think it's interesting to talk more about your experience as a performing musician yeah but so along with that kind of what got you into music so what got me into playing music or both but just You're both. Yeah, yeah yeah so i think that my my brother david um so i have two brothers both significantly older than me Eight years and eleven years. Oh, okay. uh, so not. So they actually are. You're not just taking a dig. No, they are older than me. But <laughs> I mean, yeah. Um, so my brother David, I remember very, very distinctly. We were down the Cape. We went down the Cape every summer um, when when we were kids, and this was God. It had to have been mid '90s. I mean, I might have been ten, mm-hmm. like honestly. And he played a tape of. Dave Matthews Mm -hmm. and it was like he was it was kind of just when Dave Matthews was you know 1991 was when they started so it was just a few years after they started tour like performing um and I just remember listening to Jimmy thing the song on this tape and it was like you could feel the fun that the band was having and you could feel like you could just feel everything about the song. Mm-hmm. And that was when I was like, oh, I really, really like what's happening here. And then, so he kind of introduced me to Dave Matthews, which then I wanted to know more. Mm-hmm. And then he took me to my first concert and it just propelled me at a very young age to be like, I was starstruck by the fun that this band could have um, in performing and how they how like the lyrics the just everything how it all comes together they're a tr- they're just a jam band and it's just so fun 
Mm. You know, um, so that kind of got me into listening to music. And then as I evolved with that, uh, my family owned a restaurant for years, as we've talked about a little bit. Um, we always had live music. So I was seven years old when the restaurant opened. Mm-hmm. And so I've always been around live music at the restaurant. And it's always just been like a, a social gathering aspect, like people gather around music. Right. And so it was something that I could always kind of relate to. And I always remember being at the restaurant thinking like, oh, I would love to be able to like play and sing like that. Like that's so cool to me at such a very young age. Um, and Brian was one of the guys that, played there a lot and then i just i asked him as i get a little bit older i'm like hey would you teach me how to play guitar and so he taught me how to play and then he was like oh you should just come play the restaurant i learned my first song on guitar it's awesome and he was like come play it and so there was a while where i was just playing one song every time he played Mm -hmm. i would go up play one song and then i'd be done and that just kind of evolved from there it's very cool yeah it's awesome what was the so and you you mentioned this a little bit with your brother and Under the cape and everything, but what was kind of like your music scene at home growing up? Yeah, like were your parents into music, or was it really driven by your siblings? Uh, my parents are definitely into music. Um, my dad wasn't home a lot mm-hmm. because of the restaurant, so he was the head chef for the entire my whole you know mm-hmm. the whole existence. So everything that the restaurant did was homemade. So he was there, you know, six o'clock in the morning every day. And he would be there. Like, I saw my childhood seeing my dad was at the restaurant. So, but my mom was home during the day and then would go to the restaurant at night. My brother, you know, my brothers and whatnot would be at home with me. Um, but they were big, like Elton John, Rolling Stones fans. So, like, music was always on at home. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say it was primarily driven by David um, and being in the car with him and listening to, like, his kind of music and, and involved in that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. We, it's something that I wanted to ask you before, but I'm going to do it now. It's a good time. Is so, you know, you play guitar. I do. You talked about you singing. Are there any other instruments that you play? No. Okay. I can press some keys on a keyboard mm-hmm. or a piano um, and make it sound okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, there, there are no other instruments that I play. Is there aspirationally is there anything else that you would like to learn yes i would like very much to learn how to play the piano Mm -hmm. um i've always been very interested in learning how to play the violin oh okay you know because i think it's i think the violin adds a lot to a a live performance like so if i could bring a, a violin into an acoustic performance uh, with technology, that's totally possible. You yeah. know, like a loop pedal on a guitar. And, you know, that that interests me a lot in learning that. So I would say piano and violin are something that I will... The piano, I'm definitely going to learn how to play. The violin is like, you know, pie in the sky. Mm-hmm. If I have the time to do it, I will. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. I believe you're an Ed Sheeran fan, correct? I am very much an Ed Sheeran fan. He did a performance at some award show, I forget what it was, Yeah, where it was him on his acoustic with a loop pedal. Yeah. And it was very cool. That's him, though. Like, Does he do a lot of that? I'm not a big Ed Sheeran that's fan. That's his concerts. That's all. He, it's th- literally just him? It is literally just him. Oh, really? Yeah. So w- I saw him at Gillette uh, a few years back, and I think we're going next year. I think we are going. I don't know. I think he's coming next year. 
maybe it's not adjourned. Either way, it doesn't matter. Um, but yeah, that's, and I was amazed by that because I did not realize that that is his performance. He gets out there on a stage by himself with his pedal and makes music with his one little guitar with his division symbol on it. It's very cool. It's really cool. Anything crazy ever happened while you were performing? Like any just kind of like crazy story of like, have you ever had a lady throw undergarments or a fella? It doesn't have to be a lady. Hey, yeah. Or um, like just any like. Never had that. You're playing and a fight breaks out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, never had any undergarments thrown our way. Okay. Uh, which I can fix that. You can. Yeah. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> Please don't. If you just hear this on the microphone. Yeah. <laughs> oh man yeah moving on um so there there's been a few times so here's the thing is there have been a few times where people in bars i don't know if you've ever been to a bar yes but people tend to drink alcohol oh at a bar and there are different levels or different calibers of bars some of them you may consider a dive bar mm-hmm. where people tend to drink more alcohol and behave less appropriately. If you're going to a bar where the goal is to consume as much alcohol as cheaply as possible. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think you know we found ourselves playing in some of those establishments. Um, there was one very distinct moment that I remember. There was uh, Brian and I were playing in the – we were kind of shoved in the corner of a bar. And there was a woman who came up. Now, we're not on a stage. Like, so there's no pr- protection. I, right. You know, like, there's no, like, barrier. There's no barrier. Yeah. Like, we're, we're there. Oftentimes, they're just sliding a table aside and we're setting up there, you know, and what have you. So there's no barrier. We're right by the front door. And this woman, very intoxicated, kept coming up very, very close to our mics, the mic stands. And she was just looking at Brian like as he's singing and she's just like I, I I know I know you I know you and we're like okay okay yeah like like you know Brian's literally like kicking his foot out like get away get away <laughs> and she's like no I know you I know you you're the guy that I know you and we're like okay meanwhile like keep keep playing keep playing keep playing to a point where like I took my guitar I stopped playing because the best part about a duo is one of you can stop and the show can kind of continue. Yeah. So like I stopped playing and I like, Brian took a few steps back and I like moved his mic stand back and I like stood in front of this lady so that she couldn't like a cost. Yeah. <laughs> like it, it was just like, it was the, just the social awkwardness or not the, the lack of social awareness of people when you're intoxicated. Obviously that's, you know, goes without saying, but like in that setting is like, please don't come up here. Um, so that, that there's a lot of that type of stuff that happens. Mm-hmm. One other time we were playing outside and it was a beautiful, it was a nighttime, like seven to you know seven o'clock thing. And there were, we were outside on the patio. Nice day. This was last year. And all of a sudden out of nowhere, it was like a tornado came, not an act, like no touchdown, but like maybe more of a hurricane wind mm. and like it blew that we were covered by a uh like one of those pop-up canopy mm-hmm. things because it was very very sunny bright day and it blew tables and chairs over it blew oh, umbrellas out of the chair 
the um, uh, out of the chair. Umbrellas off. I often keep in chairs. <laughs> blew an umbrella out of the table, and it flew across the thing and shattered one of the like glass like outdoor. They just had like a bunch of outdoor furniture. Oh jeez. Shattered the thing. There were probably twenty people outside, so it was like a mad scramble to like get inside. We're catching tents and like. So that was probably the wildest thing that's ever happened. That's insane. Yeah, it was. It was kind of scary. Like when you look back at it, because like umbrella literally just like flew across. Like could have hurt someone a lot. It it'd be really funny if you were playing Bob Dylan's. Like, <laughs> Here's a story of the hurricane. <laughs> Either that or Freebird, and it's right when you hit the solo, and you and Brian just keep going. Like, <laughs> You're just into going the through, wind. man. The yeah. show must go on. <laughs> the show must go yeah, on. The show must go. The on. power has died, so it's just two acoustic guitars. Yeah, that you just, can't hear. You can't hear anything over the din of the storm. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah. No, so those are the most recent ones. So. That's awesome. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So, what was what's your first concert that you attended? Dave Matthews. When? Uh, nineteen. Eh, I don't want to give you a year. Nineteen ninety nine, two thousand, okay. something like yeah. that. Um, it was at the Dunkin' Donuts Center in Providence. Mm-hmm. Um, brother David took me. We sat in the second row. Wow. Dead center stage, and it was the most. It was just an incredible mm-hmm. experience number one forget the fact that i'm obsessed with dave matthews band mm-hmm. like just being that close to a live performance of that magnitude mm-hmm. like solidified like um this is i love this yeah you know and then do you have a like a favorite concert that you've been to 2008 i went to dave matthews in madison square garden in mm-hmm. New York, I sat in the third row with David, mm-hmm. his wife, um, and Greg Allman came out on stage, and they played Melissa. Wow. And Did you know that he was part of the show? Nope. I love it when that happens. Yeah. There's yeah. a lot of times, like, Dave will have a lot of special guests, like, that you come out for two or three songs, and you just, you didn't, you, you had no idea. You mm-hmm. know, he doesn't really announce that kind of stuff, which is really cool. Um, so it was awesome when he was like, oh, you know, please welcome my friend Greg Almond, you know, come out. And it was just, it was just awesome to see because obviously the Almond Brothers are, you know, a huge, fantastic band. Yep. Um, so it was neat to see them collaborate. But just the show in general was fantastic. And I, I like to think that I threw Dave off a little bit. Oh. Because th- you're not far away. Right. And he is very, he is somebody who interacts with the audience, like up front, like, you know, he'll, he'll look, he'll smile, make faces, yada, yada, yada. Um, and the reason I say I threw him off, it's probably, probably didn't, just so we're all clear. But he was, they were playing an intro to a song, and he stepped up to the microphone to start to sing. And at that moment, I screamed, I love you, Dave. <laughs> and he backed up, smirked, and stepped back up and started singing. Again. Nice. So I'm like, yeah, that was me. Probably yeah. wasn't. Yeah. But I like to think it was. That's cool. Yeah. So that was my favorite concert that I've ever been to. That's really awesome. Yeah. I um this isn't about me, this episode. Um but you mentioning like Greg Allman coming out yeah. reminded me that the first probably the biggest concert I've ever been to was uh my wife, who was just my girlfriend at the time when I was eighteen, got me tickets to Run DMC, Kid Rock, and Aerosmith Ooh. at Great Woods. 
or oh, yeah. whatever it's called now. Yeah, Xfinity Center now. Yeah, but thank yeah, you. It's always Great Woods. And at the end, like all the groups came out and did Walk This Way, which oh. was Run DMC and Aerosmith, but Kid Rock was out there too. That's cool. And But that was like the first big name and then seeing like these like big name performers come out and perform together. That's was, really cool. That was really That's cool. That's awesome, yeah. Um, Another concert that I went to that was really like, you know, I would say memorable was I went and saw um, Carlos Santana ooh, at Great Woods. Yeah. And that was that was really cool. He puts a, he puts just a great guitarist and puts on a great show. Um, Dispatch was a great show. Mm-hmm. Um, Ed Sheeran was a great show. And I will say this and, you know, it is what it is. I flew to lot. I took my wife to Las Vegas to see Celine Dion. She is a big Celine Dion fan. And I believe Celine has a residency out there, right? She did at the time. I don't know that she does still, but she absolutely did. Got to respect Celine Dion. Like She put on a phenomenal show. I imagine it would be. Fantastic show. So I really enjoyed that. And my wife, it's like Kristen likes Celine Dion like I like Dave Matthews. It's like that kind of... I probably like Dave Matthews a little more than she likes Lee Dion, but it's like that level where that was a big deal for her to go to that show, and it was it was a lot of fun. That's very cool. So anyway, can you tell me about your most recent Dave Matthews concert, specifically My- something that happened as you were tailgating? <laughs> yeah, I sure can. Okay, that'd be great. Um, so I recently, this past summer, went to a Dave Matthews concert in New Hampshire, Guilford, New Hampshire, um, with my brother-in-law Jake. And we were tailgating before and after the show. And after the show, we were sitting uh, behind the vehicle, uh, as you would when you tailgate. And we were eating our, you know, pre-cooked sausages and burgers that we stuffed in the cooler for after the show. And we're having some chips. We're eating some chips. What kind of chips? They were... They were Tostitos. They were toasty. Took me a second. I love this story. That's why. Just... Uh, yeah, because I think I told you three hundred and fifty times. Yeah, yeah. But there, it was Tostitos, and so we were, we were standing there, and it was to a point where like, people were walking by, and I was just offering food. Like I was offering food up to people, and hey, you want some? Blah blah blah. And there's these two. This couple was walking kind of towards us, and they were going to kind of go like in between the car, you know, in between the cars next to us, and I. I said, like, you know, hey, would, do you guys want some chips or whatever? And and the guy comes over to me. He was like, yeah, yeah, I'll have some chips. And this his wife or whatever, she's like, no, you don't. You like, you don't need a chip. You don't need chips. They like walk by, and he goes, she takes them out of my takes them out of my hand, the bag of chips out of my hand, throws them on the ground, and is like, he doesn't want your effing chips. <laughs> and I was like. What? Well, you didn't have to ruin them for me. Like, you didn't have to take them out of my hand and throw them on the ground. Uh, and they just, like, walk away. I'm like, why are you ruining it for me? You could just say, no, thank you, and keep walking. It's fantastic. But just grabs them out of my hand, throws them on the ground. That's why you're effing chaps. Yeah. What? It's fantastic. Like, I, <laughs> I wish I could have seen myself in that moment because I didn't, uh, like, what do you do? Mm-hmm. What do you do? So I just hollered back at her. We didn't have to ruin him for me. And that was the end of it. It's fantastic. Oh, 
Thank you for asking that question. Oh, I, just, I just like relive that moment. Yeah. Again, now is awesome. When you, because you did, you told me that story shortly after you went to the yeah. concert. Yeah, it was in June or something. And then a friend of ours joined us for lunch and you told the story again. And I was so happy to hear it again. <laughs> so it's it just, I just picture you like, hey, who wants some chips? We're at a Dave, we're, it's after a Dave Matthews concert. Everyone's in a good mood. Everybody. Right? Like, who wants some chips? Yeah. <laughs> just, he doesn't want your chips. Like, <laughs> like what? <laughs> okay lady i don't know like god i feel bad for that guy oh my goodness but, that's whew, fantastic yeah that was good that you was good you asked me a question that i liked so much that i wrote it down before you asked me the question that what, hurts my wait, brain a little bit yeah um what makes you like a song who <sighs> that's a good question me um there, I think there's there's a few different things that make me like a song. So the first thing is I'm a big lyrics person. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I tend to I, I tend to not like songs, so I'm going to try to get to where I'm going, but I tend to not like songs that aren't, in my opinion, lyrically good. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I can, if like, if I can't understand the lyrics of the song, I don't like the song. Mm-hmm. If I, if the, if the lyrics don't tell some semblance of a story or they're all over the place, I, I don't like the song. Um, so I think number one, the lyrics, the story that, the, that it tells, but the way the music makes me feel like if, so if it's an inch, take, take the lyrics out of it, the way the, the music and the rhythm, um, which are the same thing make me feel you know is is something that grabs me i think that i want to nine out of ten songs i listen to i want to feel happy mm-hmm. like i don't you know necessarily i mean yeah i listen to different music for different moods that i'm in and what have you but for the most part i want a song to make me feel happy i want a song to make me like want to get up and dance or you know whatever or scream the lyrics driving down the car, you know, driving down the car, driving mm-hmm. down the highway in the car or something like that. So, sure. um, yeah, that's awesome. That's what makes me like a song. So for you, I mean, I, I'm guessing the, the, does like the musical aptitude matter as much as the lyrics? No. Okay. I'm going to say no. I think the lyrics are more important to me. Okay. Very cool. The, um, I don't know. I, this, see, this this question I realized might not hit the same way for somebody that is not a performer. But let's huh. say after this recording, we go to karaoke. Okay. Like, what's your what's the three songs you're looking for to see? Not with top three, whatever. Sure. Like, what are a few of the songs you're looking for in the book to see if they have? So, can I ask you a clarifying question? Yes. Okay. Um, because I, I, I think that there are songs that I don't need to ask you a clarifying question. Okay. You ask me a question. I'm going to answer your question. Do it. Because, but I'm going to answer it my own way. I, I'm going to do it my way. Good. Okay. Did you know that his son was kidnapped? <laughs> what? Are you serious? Um, what I, what I, what I don't, what, what would be the easy way out would be for me to go and look for songs that I know 
in quotation marks in my own mind i can sing well mm -hmm. that i perform live right mm -hmm. um so i like to when i go karaokeing all the time you know i don't but uh one of them is new york new york okay okay because i don't do that live but i like the song it's a good song what's the face for his son was kidnapped <laughs> <laughs> and he paid two hundred forty thousand dollars yeah. three days later no but that's that's one of them um the other one would probably be american pie okay because who doesn't like to be tortured by listening to someone sing a really long I was going to say, if there's song. one thing I love at karaoke is when someone's up there for 15 minutes. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And then third one's going to get me a little bit because I don't do karaoke very often. Well, and that's why I say it doesn't have to be three, but it's like, what songs are you looking for? Yeah, New York, New York, American Pie. Okay. Very cool. Maybe a Pearl Jam one here or there. Interesting. Yellow Leadbetter. What? Yellow Leadbetter. Oh. Pearl Jam song. Okay. You know it. It's Probably. A good song. Yeah. I'll Probably. sing it for you next time we go to karaoke. Yeah, no, that'd be great. <laughs> so, what is the first album you remember buying for you? Um, oh man, I hate that they think this is the answer. Almost nobody can fact check it, so. Almost nobody, yeah. but I'm pretty sure this is, I, th I think this is it. <sighs> Deep breath. Uh, no strings attached by NSYNC. <laughs> That's awesome. Isn't it? As a follow-up question. <laughs> <laughs> what's the most ridiculous and or embarrassing album you've ever bought? Uh, no strings attached by NSYNC. Is it really? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> because... Like, I didn't. So here's the thing with having older brothers mm -hmm. is that I didn't buy a lot of albums, like or CD, like okay, because there was a lot available. David had all the Dave Matthews stuff. Yep. So I, I had that from him. Kevin was my my brother Kevin, who's older, the eleven eleven years older than me. He was like pearl jam like he had all those albums which i really liked like that kind of style of music then because i was influenced very heavily by what my mm -hmm. brothers listened to um so i they had a lot of that stuff and then when we when we got into like the napster lime wire like oh, yeah. areas like who's buying albums right yeah i'm gonna make my own album yeah um so yeah do you think it's a great segue do you think that the move to digital music consumption, starting with the Napster and LimeWire and whatnot, mm -hmm. and now where that's all, that's just how we, like nobody goes and buys a CD anymore. No. Do you think that that has helped or hurt people's ability to discover new music and why? I think it has helped because now I will get recommendations based on music that I listen to for new artists that I 
have never heard of mm-hmm. where based on just the same, whether it's the same genre or same style of music or whatever the case may be. Whereas if I were to go into an FYE mm-hmm. or, you know, a record store, if I, like I could peruse, but I, they're not typically, they weren't categorized by like, Hey, if you like this artist, you'll also like these artists. It was like alphabetical. And if I was going to go buy a Dave Matthews band album, I would go to the D section Mm -hmm. and look at other bands that started with D, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas now with Apple music and with Spotify and like things like that, you, you'll get recommendations for your music style. And then the other part of it is there are, I can search and look through playlists that may have nothing to do with my music Mm. that other people create Mm -hmm. or that Apple music will put together, or you can go and listen to the top, 50 you know bluegrass songs on apple music and it's like okay well if it's right here at my fingertips i'll listen to something new but if i'm in a record shop perusing through i don't really know you know what i'm looking for so i think it's made it a lot easier to digest different content and and find new musicians because it's probably i don't know this for a fact but it's probably easier and more cost effective for lesser famous musicians or like newer musicians to put music out there than it would be for them to make a CD and get it into an FYE or something like that. So I think it promotes different types of people and opens you up to a world of, of people that you wouldn't necessarily have had access to before. Awesome. The, is there, because you've talked a lot about the uh, the bands or the artists that you like yeah. and how you've liked them for a while. Sure. So what's, what's an example of like a new artist or band that has kind of recently made its way into your rotation? Ooh. Is Justin Bieber new? No. All right. He could be new to you. Like, and that's, it doesn't have to be like a new, like, oh, they just came out this year, but like, yeah. who's someone that I didn't listen to before? Yeah. Uh, Justin Bieber's one for me. Cause like, I didn't, when Justin Bieber first started making, let me clarify something. I know Justin Bieber didn't like just right. come out, but when he first started, I hated him, mm-hmm. but I viewed him as someone traditionally, I don't appreciate I'm going to not say that because I do appreciate, as I said before, your voice is a, is a tool, is an instrument. So fine. But traditionally I didn't relate to people that were just singers. Like I got you. It, per, per, performing like eh, for me. Yep. So when he first came out, he was like a little punk, like young kid who like just sang and like, I didn't really enjoy you his were, music. You were very much not the target demographic for oh, Justin Bieber's very much early so. work. As he has evolved and started to show the fact that he is actually a very good guitar player. I didn't know that. Like, and he's very, you know, he's more, he's more talented than I originally thought. Um, I've grown to like his music a lot. As discussed many times on this podcast, you don't watch a lot of things. I don't. But do you have a favorite musical, whether 
movie or like play? Or are you into that at all? I do. No, I am. Yeah. I am. So I, I do. I would say, movie wise, not so much. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I can't tell you that I have a favorite musical movie. Mm-hmm. Um, although I guess maybe by answering, about my next part of the question, I could say that. But I think Rent. Mm-hmm. Like I really enjoyed Rent. I went and saw Rent on Broadway. On Broadway. Broadway. On Broadway. Wow. In New York City. Mm. Um, really enjoy the music in Rent. Mm-hmm. Um, enjoy the story that it tells. Um, the 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 level of emotions that you go through, which I think is you know important, obviously, uh, especially in a play, like in a live play. Um, really enjoyed Hamilton. Hmm. Love like Lin Manuel Miranda, whose name I can never say. No, you were close. Yeah, it's close enough. You all know what I meant. Mm-hmm. I just I think the music that he put into that play was fantastic, mm-hmm. you know. And I think the contrast of the music versus the time that that play takes place in, mm-hmm. I thought was was awesome. Yeah. You know? um, so I'd say was Les Miserables a musical? Uh, absolutely. Yeah, I think that's like right up there too. Yeah. So my dad took me to Broadway when I was in seventh grade. Wow. Because I was taking French class and I was very interested in French. Oh. And we, well, we. Oui, oui. And so we went to New York City and he took me to see Les Miserables. And from what I remember being in seventh grade, I really liked it. But I don't know if it was just like the fact that my dad took me to New York City and we had a good time that I'm just associating that with me liking the play. I think something like Les Mis on Broadway is very similar to your experience with Celine Dion. Yeah. To where even if as an adult, you might not go seek out yeah. Les Mis, into, like, but going and the, just the professionalism of that performance. Right. Uh, the My mom took me to see Phantom of the Opera probably oh. around the same age. Yeah, we yeah. went to Boston. And I just remember like it's seeing a a performance of that magnitude and the spectacle around that like i remember you know the chandelier coming down yeah. and stuff like that um there's something really special about that seeing that as a kid for the first time i think kind of regardless of what the yeah the um content is right you know yeah that makes sense and i think stomp was was a play that we saw in san francisco um and the the music that they make with the trash cans and the brooms and like things like that, I found I was at a point when I went there. I was young, but old enough in my music like to understand how cool it was that they were making music with trash cans and mm. brooms and all that kind of stuff. So that was really really cool to me as well. That's awesome. Yeah, very cool. Mm-hmm. You had asked me a question about movie soundtracks and scores, and is there a movie that you just really like the soundtrack to or you feel like would not be as good or a TV show or whatever, something that you watch? Yeah, I don't watch a lot of things. But as far as soundtrack, I mean, The Greatest Showman. Oh. Like we talked about this earlier. And that's a great, like I would listen to that soundtrack independent of watching the movie Mm -hmm. any day. Okay. Very cool. 
Do you have, and again, you may have already answered this with NSYNC, but is there a song or artist that might surprise someone that you said that you really like them? Or like, do you have like off the top of your head, a guilty pleasure song or something that, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you've already talked about NSYNC and Justin Bieber. So yeah. So how does it get more embarrassing than that? I think one of the things that, um, so I have a playlist in Apple music that I tend to listen to when I go to the gym, Mm -hmm. that is a mix of songs that like, if I was just sitting here, I would never put on, but that's where I use music differently than outside of that. Cause like in the gym, when I'm real like focused on going to the gym to work out, I want a different type of music right. than if I'm just hanging out or like want to listen to good music. So um, I don't know the name of the song, but Lizzo is on that playlist. Yep. Um, one where she talks about marrying somebody on the Minnesota Vikings or something, or a new man from the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, whatever. Um, Izzy Azalea or Izzy? Iggy. I- Iggy Azalea, yeah. yeah. First things first, I'm the realist. Right. Yeah. So that song, like those songs, are, like that kind of music is on, okay. on my playlist there. Um, so yeah. That would be, and then I, I I like Taylor Swift. Yeah, yeah, very so, cool. Yeah, you're driving in your car. Um, you can picture that however you want, whether your family's with you or not. Okay. Song comes on, that immediately makes you want to just drive your car off a bridge. <laughs> wow! Like what's my family's definitely not in the car. Okay. Like wow. what's a song that you just. Or or a genre, yeah. if you're that, you want to get that broad with it, or an artist that you're just like, I cannot stand. No, Freebird. You don't like Freebird? Nope. Wow. Really? Nope. What is it that you don't like about Freebird? Is it because you're yes. a performer and everybody wants to hear it? Yes. Yeah. And it's to a, it's to the point where like that song now for me is like no, completely ruined. We I will never play it. Yeah. Like the answer to that question is. Can you play Freebird is no. Like point blank, no matter who asks. Yeah. Not going to happen. I don't know how clever this is, but if you want to use it, you're more than welcome to take it. There was a piano bar in Grand Rapids that uh, my wife and I would go to every now and then. And when people would be like, play Freebird, they would, it was like a dueling piano type thing. Yeah. They would both go, here's your Freebird and, oh. and flip the bird. Oh, I like that. Yeah. I like that a lot. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. Because that's fantastic. You can have that. Yeah. No, but it's like everybody's like, oh, free bird. Right. Like, no. The, the forbidden riff yeah. is what that is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. So I think I'd drive off a bridge if I heard that. Okay. Do you have, because you're into guitar, I think you have a Martin or a Taylor? I have a Taylor. You have a Taylor. You? Sorry. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Um, Do you have any kind of like dream instruments? Like there's this model of guitar that I want or like for me as a bassist I've always wanted one of the uh Ernie Ball Music Man basses with the big like humbuckers type of thing mm-hmm. and one of the legit like twenty five hundred three thousand dollar ones type yeah. of thing so is there any sort of instrument that you're like ooh, I really want to own that two-part answer to that question um yes okay and I already have it oh um so, for as long as I can remember, I have wanted the Taylor 914 CE guitar that I have. 
and it that is because it's the guitar in that picture. Okay. Yep. And um, so for those that can't see I, this, Dave Matthews. <laughs> so for all of you, <laughs> plays a Taylor nine fourteen CE. That's correct. He used to play it all the time. He does not play it. Uh, I don't think ever anymore. But um, so I was fortunate enough to receive that guitar as a wedding gift from my wife. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so she gave it to me at our rehearsal dinner and like the guitar case came over and I was like, no, no like stop. that's just my guitar from home and they want me to like play a song, <laughs> right? Like that's my Yamaha that I got at Guitar Center for $99 <laughs> and they just want me to play like a song. Yep. Um, and when I opened it, like I was speechless for like an hour and a half. I bet. Because it was something that I have been legitimately, we've been married for nine years. So this was nine years ago. And I had been talking about that, wanting that guitar for like 10 years before that. Mm -hmm. And it's one of those things that's just like, I would never buy it for myself. Mm. And so to get that was like, holy crap. Um, but outside of that, like I've always wanted like a nice Les Paul, like the, just like a really nice electric, you know, with maybe like, a, I like the classic, like white inlay on it. And just like, I, so I've always kind of wanted a really nice electric mm -hmm. Les Paul kind of hanging here, but that's awesome. Yeah. That's great. I have one more question for you, I think, before we get to a speed round. Okay. And I have one more answer for you then. What's something that you hope you can pass down to your kids related to music? Like what's something that you hope that they kind of either inherit from you or, you know, you told the stories of your brother's influence yeah. on you and that's kind of really shaped. So what's something that you hope your kids get from you? It's a great question. Thank you. You're pretty good at this, Rachel. <laughs> um, I think the a, a love and appreciation for different perspectives of music mm -hmm. and art in mm -hmm. general. Like I think that music as an art form is something that it's a way to, it's a way for an artist to show and share emotion and vulnerability with the world. And so I think if my kids can inherit my appreciation for somebody being vulnerable and putting themselves out there and like telling their story through music and can appreciate that and can uh, appreciate different genres and different people's perspectives on it. I think I would be, I would be happy. And if, if any of them want to become musical and play music, I think that would be like icing on the cake. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm not, you know, so I hope that that happens. I hope they all become musical like my son has already started to show an interest in in music which is awesome mm -hmm. um but i think if i think if they can just appreciate the art that music is i think that i would be happy with that just a general kind of curiosity and openness towards yeah. that's great that's that's really good i can say that so my daughter is very musically inclined really and oh yeah um she's wanted to like learn how to play guitar but just doesn't have the hand strength yet type of thing. Mm -hmm. And we're getting there. Um, but always has Pandora going or like we got her a little clock radio type thing and she's got the radio going. And 
will talk about bands that she likes and music that she likes and my son not so much he's much more reserved okay and so we never really knew what he likes and he'll be 16 this next year and we got the spotify family plan which is a great value in my opinion mine too so far yeah and i just happened to like look through one of his playlists that he like listens to and it turns out that there's a ton of stuff in there that is like songs that i've played or songs that kate's awesome. played yeah it was it was kind of like hey you're, you're like oh you're catching on all right okay oh, that's so cool yeah, and i love that like, I, and i lied earlier oh i have one more question before i get to the speed round oh well, then i have one more answer for you then i lied too you liar can you tell me the significance of August 8th, 2004? Hate you <laughs> so much. <laughs> it is. Yes, I can. Music Christmas. It's not. <laughs> what I love about this is that it's not even like he didn't do it. <laughs> and that's what I love about this whole thing is like it he like it, it wasn't him because he's like the most environmentally conscious person you don't know that i know that he could have been like it's time to press the button like uh, <laughs> that was a weird kind of like trying yeah, to force like, santa light yeah. on august 8 2004 uh-huh a tour bus belonging yep. to the Dave Matthews Band yep. dumped an estimated 800 pounds of human waste from the bus's Blackwater tank through the Kinsey Street Bridge in Chicago onto the passenger sightseeing boat Chicago's Little Lady sailing in the Chicago River below. <laughs> yep, that happened. Can you imagine? No, I can. I, I mean, I would be in my glory. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah. I'm never washing again. <laughs> Oh, oh my tragic goodness. day. That is. Oh, I I'm hate so. You. Like, that was one of my favorite stories ever before I even knew you. I know. And I'm pretty sure, like, after I met you, four minutes later, it was well known that you loved Dave Matthews. And I was like, oh, I have a fun Dave Matthews fact. There's actually two songs that I really like. So I, let me say this I am not anti DMB at all. Sure. And I, I don't care if you are. I appreciate good music, and I think they make good music. They do, but I don't like. I I don't seek them out, right? But he has collaborated with a lot of mm-hmm. artists, and uh, he did a song with Jurassic Five, which is a rap group called Work It Out. Okay, that's a, a very good song that they did. And you mentioned Santana earlier. I did. He had a song with Santana on the Supernatural album. Love of my life. There you go. Yeah. All you. right. I have a Dave Matthews lyrics quiz for you. Oh, I hate you. Oh, my God. So what stinks is the way oh, that... this is so bad. This is going to be so bad. The way that this works is I won't have the answers until after we run through it, unfortunately. Oh, so this is, this is even better because I'll just have all the answers. Well, we're going to go through it. Oh, no. All right. So... I'm going to give you the lyric to a song. Yeah. Oh, actually, no, I will have it. Do I have to tell you the name of the song? Yeah. Oh, no. But I'm going to give you four choices. <sighs> Number right. one. Angels have all gathered round to hear me sing my love out loud. Is that Loving Wings, Every Day, Angel, or The Stone? 
angels have all gathered round to hear me sing my love out loud. Sing my love out loud. The stone. Sorry, the answer is loving wings. Okay. All right, number two. All at once, the ghosts come back, reeling in you now. Mm -hmm. Is that number 41, number 36, number 40, or Crash? What's great is you've said you're not good at like names of songs. I'm so bad with names, and there's no exception with Dave Matthews. But I know, like, all at once, the ghosts come back, reeling in you now. What if they came down crashing? Dancing while in the play on time is one. Number 36. Number 40. Damn. Does he have just an album where it's just numbers? No, of... but he... Oh, I'm sorry. The correct answer is 41. My bad. Yeah. So. Yeah. Drinkers and jokers, all soul searchers yeah. like you and me. Yeah. So, that is the Christmas song. It's absolutely correct. Wonderful uh, song. Alrighty. Number four. There was a window and by it stood a mirror in which he could see himself. Is that cry freedom? Drive in, drive out. Don't drink the water. The dreaming tree. Dreaming tree. That is cry freedom. Okay, good. See, not good with names. And number five. <laughs> we might just do five. <laughs> no, we should do them all. Okay. How many are there? Ten. Oh, we should do ten. All right. And hear me call soft-spoken whispering love a thing or two i have to say here mm. is that crash say goodbye crush or angel angel say goodbye yeah number six and take your hand look in your eyes my love all good things must come to an end sometime <laughs> This is terrible. What's great is I I don't know any of these, no, so I'm just literally reading. Like, no, I know, and like I'm giving you no clues, none, which is <laughs> fine, and, and that's fine. I don't. I want to be clear. I've never said I know. I'm not. Yeah. Yeah. Like you, you could do this with me with the Beastie Boys, and I probably wouldn't do as well as you're doing now. That's not true at all. It's probably not. Yeah. And take your hand, look in your eyes, my love. All good things must come to an end sometime. Uh huh. The last stop, pig. When the world ends, grace is gone. Pig. Correct. Yeah. Number seven. If at all God's gaze upon us fall, his mischievous grin, look at him. Yeah. Recently, bartender, seek up, proudest monkey. <laughs> is that a... Anyways. Yeah, it's a phenomenal. Uh, if at all God's gaze upon us fall, his mischievous grin. Look at, look him. at him. Mischievous. Seek up. It is. It's seek up. Seek up, that's correct. Seek up and emotion. Wait a second. Your cup is overflowing. Yeah, number seven. All right. Um, number eight. I take a drink, sit back, relax. Smoke, my mind makes me feel better for a short time. Yeah. Is Hold that on, stop. Go ahead. I had to. I had to think about it like Dave would sing it. Is it two step, Jimmy thing, stay, Rapunzel, Jimmy thing? Correct. Yeah. Number nine, she feels like kicking out all the windows and Gray setting. Street. Gray Street. Let me see here. Number nine. That is correct. And finally, number ten. 
my darling heart, won't you please give in? Is that busted stuff, which I think that's Limp Bizkit, ants marching, pay for what you get, or angel? Angel. That's correct. Hey. Hey. Redemption. <laughs> sort of. <laughs> this was a lot of fun. This was great. Thank you. That was very clever. I enjoyed that. Oh, good. I'm glad you did. Um, so, hey, this has been my interview with You're a very good interviewer. friend and podcast mate, Stephen Hodgman. Hope you enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed it. Bye. Bye. <laughs>